Welcome to the Simply People Podcast with Simply People founder and your host, Danny Clark. Hello and welcome to the Simply People Podcast, the show that brings you the people behind particular subjects, organizations or stories. I'm Danny Clark and today we're talking all things leadership, HR, organizational development and the impact of storytelling with the fabulous Robert Ritchie from the University of Salford. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Danny. How are you? I haven't seen you for ages. Um, very well, thank you. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are you up to at the moment? God, loads of things. Um, I think, you know, lockdown's really, really focused on us uh, on a, a whole range of things. Um, I think that the, um, the most exciting thing we're working on at the moment is um, our project around failure. We're, we're putting together a, a festival of, of failure. And the idea is how can we normalize um, failure? How can we actually reduce that? How can we take out that word um, and just really make it um, a normal practice? Um, I think what I found, what we found in organizations, and I think it might be heightened by the lockdown, is people are afraid of doing things, trying things, experimenting things. Um, and the university is very entrepreneurial. We, you know, we've we've got strong ambitions, we've got strong um, industry connections, and it's really important that we engender that sort of sense of curiosity, um, entrepreneurship, intrapreneurship. Um, and so, yeah, this festival is going to be around how we celebrate um, the work we're all doing, the work we can do, the work we should be doing so that we can maximise, you know, the experience for ourselves, but also, of course, for our students, because that's what we're here for. So, yeah, that's the a lot of things that we're, we're focusing on at the moment. Wow, that sounds amazing because it's like you say, it's not something that people normally talk about. You don't really talk about people's failures. You normally talk about their successes. So yeah, it's really, really powerful message to, to give to people, I guess. Yeah. Where did it come about? I think I've always been um, a bit daring, I suppose, in, the, in my approach to work. And I know you and I, Danny, we've had some conversations about that in the past. Um, I like to um, follow through on, on challenging ideas, on ideas that I think will shift and move um i'm very interested in mindsets and behaviors and how those we can be harnessed to shift changes in organizations rather than going down the training route and you know put together loads and loads of um, change programs that you know it does come from ourselves and it starts with us and what better way of doing it so i have always been interested in um looking at things from a different angle but then also following through um on things and, and making sure that they're they're, they're maximized in the organization. So we got together with a few um, like-minded colleagues, um, friends of the show, people who think a bit like us. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, we've, we've put together, you know, this, this, great, um, this great sort of framework, really. Um, so the idea is, is, is to showcase um, and to celebrate the fact that actually we all make mistakes. We all fail, every one of us, day in, day out. Let's not demonize it. Let's normalize it and let's use it in our toolkit and, you know, sort of ma maximize its potential. Um, yeah, I love that because as I think it's important and, and it's a really good indication of the culture that you, you kind of create around you and that psychological yeah. safe space that I, I talk about um, where I work and, and with people quite a lot like yourself uh, and actually being able to talk about fear of failure or failing and making mistakes and taking those risks without the fear of being shamed, embarrassed, ridiculed or yeah. or undermined maybe even to a certain degree is really powerful. Yeah. So I love this. So what when when is it? When is the festival of failure? When can 
we look out for it? We are um, just planning it at the moment. Um, it's probably going to be a hybrid version. Um, so, um, you know, half half digital, half in person, depending on the, the lockdown um, restrictions. So we're just at planning stage at the moment, but it's something we've got a lot of um, collateral content on already. Um, it's just, um, I think, a, a case of curating all of that and making sure we're involving great people. Um, and we're trying to make make it sort of a, you know, a, a sort of um, wider opportunity for people to get involved in. So if anyone is interested um, in getting involved in storytelling, um, some projects or displaying some work they've been doing or whatever it is, uh, we're open to all of that. Um, so we're just in the planning stage right now, but it will be a probably hybrid hybrid version at the end. That sounds really exciting. And we'll take your, your, your handles and how people can connect with you online later on in the show so that if people do have those stories or, or would like to contribute or participate, then absolutely they'll be able to get in touch with you. Fantastic. Um, so you mentioned their COVID and the current situation. How's COVID been for yourself and the university? Yeah, I mean, it's been really, gosh, like everybody throughout the whole world, really exhausting, really tiring, really dark. Um, and really heavy and every day is the same. I'm sure we all share that across the globe. Um, but I think there's been some really good things that have come out of it. I mean, you know, the fact we're able to use technology to connect with a, a wider range of people across um, different organisations and countries. I've made some lo loads of connections, um, you know, sort of to help me with my work uh, by doing that. And you can jump in and out of um, a whole range of meetings, often very early in the morning or very late at night because you're connecting with people across the globe, but really, really good. So I think those are the, the things I've seen um, as being, you know, sort of good opportunities. Um, it's also meant that the work that we're doing in organisational development um, has been really tested. So I think some of the face-to-face the -face work that we often do in this arena, so the you know the sort of workshop delivery the team generate generating work all those sorts of things um are not best done actually um sort of over the screen so we've adjust, adjusted and adapted our work uh, we've created new products we have eight different products that we now use um, some of them were developed already some of them have come online since the pandemic and lockdown so it has has created you know sort of opportunities for us to broaden our portfolio, our remits. Um, a good example of that is the um, living library. Um, so the idea is it's taken from the human library concept. And the idea is that we have living people telling their stories, quite challenging, quite compelling, deep stories that have moved their lives um, on a podcast. And um, yeah. people could take them out as you would do a physical book um, and, deepen the conversation and and all that and that's been fantastic for us we we've got quite a few about probably about eight or nine um books in our collection at the moment we're looking to to develop more um and they range from you know personal trauma to um business development ideas whole range of things um and we've had some real success people have been really um intrigued and what we've also noticed it's brought together our community in what is a very broken and fragmented world at the moment um and yeah so it's 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 been really been really positive in that despite the sort of exhaustion that the whole thing has created for us um yeah 
I think yeah. the other thing to, to sort of bear to, that we've noticed as well is a, a greater attention to people's health and well-being and that it's not just a tick box yeah I've been on a course yeah I've you know done some meditation we really take it seriously we always have at the university um it's been a one of the things I've noticed but actually now we've been able to really deepen our practice and talk more more rigorously around what we can actually do and the the effects and the importance you know of the the of what we are doing mentally and physically yeah it's interesting that you say about the importance of uh, mental health and well-being and it absolutely completely agree it is more than a tick box it's more than just having a policy that's sitting dusty on the shelf somewhere yeah. it is about <laughs> the culture and the community and yeah. and yeah i think i'd agree that the, the community is is massive one thing I'd like to understand, though, is you really community focused, and and yeah, when I, from as long as I've known you, you've always had this global picture of trying to spread the message, and 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 I'm going to use a word, the gospel is maybe not the best term, but the way to kind of look at things from a different perspective, look at things from a yeah. global perspective, not be so insular. Um, yeah. I'd like to understand really why, why does, why have you, what's happened or, or has something triggered this interest in the global community and this perspective or is it just something that you've had since you was a child? I don't know I think it's probably a mixture of both um, and I think through my working life in particular um, I've noticed how narrow organisations and therefore communities and the world actually becomes and I do believe in that age old um, adage, you know, we're all connected and we absolutely are. And I think maybe things in my life, maybe, you know, I've traveled and lived in two other countries. Um, I lived in Spain and the Netherlands. Um, I landed there, had no connections at all, knew nobody, couldn't speak any of the language. And I had to work out how to get integrated, how to belong. And I think that's the other word, you know, you can you can go to these places countries work jobs whatever and you can participate but you need to really belong what is it about the world the organizations that make you feel that you belong part mm. of it's to do with yourself part of it means you have to make the effort you can't just knock on a door and hope hopefully yeah. you're, you're welcomed in you have to step forward you have to make that that drive and but equally, it's to do with the organisations and the conditions that organisations um, create to make people feel welcome. And I think ultimately that's a leader, a leadership thing. It's a leader's responsibility to make people feel welcome, to make them feel that they belong, to make them feel that they're safe. And it's creating more of those conditions. And that's part of a leadership role. Um, it's actually, ironically, not checking on the results of things. That's that's the people that you're taking care of's job. So yeah. that type of thing, I think I've always been interested in. But then, I've, of course, the roles that I've had at work have always um, focused on that type of thing. Um, and where I am now, we've developed a really unique model. We call it the 3C model. And it's focused around three um, core um, aspects, really. Uh, one is connection. So what do we do at work to help people connect to each other, connect physically? to connect at work, to connect socially, but also to connect to themselves, being self-aware, you know, that's part of connection. And are you aware of how you are, um, how, you, how, you, how you come across to other people, how you socialize, engage with other people? But also, of course, because we're in the pandemic, how do people connect digitally, not just the, the Microsoft Teams digital, but how do you use that to connect 
and get yeah. the best value from you know the work you're doing across the globe yeah. so that's the first one connection the second one is community what do we do what can we do what should we do to build community within our organization and you mentioned earlier the up you know the sort of the world the global thing you know not community just in our own area we sit in a very richly cultured area in the northwest mm. how does what we do fit into Salford to Greater Manchester to the north to the world you know that sort of thing and how can we help people to connect um, in that way one of our um, axioms so one of the ways that we uh, or the statements we have put together which we believe to be true about the way we work is we look up and we look out and that fits in with that sense of community we help people to feel connected and belonging and belong by connecting them and helping them look beyond their own their own area and then the third um, C is um, citizenship. So that's to do with, hey, you belong to a great organization, a, a great community, a great world. These are the things that are on offer, offer to you. Take them, use them, take what you can, uh, you, or use what you can, give what you need. Um, but also as well, um, it's the giving back. You know, So what are you actually giving back to the organizations? What are you actually, um, contributing to and it's the level of contribution which is beyond actually your day job hmm. you know it's what are the things are you sharing are you being generous with your knowledge and, and products are you are you um, signposting things for other people are you connecting people with other people that you know that they could maybe help you yeah. so those are the the three C's that we call them so it's around connection community and citizenship we build all our work around that and we evaluate and show impact in, in, in those three areas. And that we believe is radically changing the way we uh, live, work and study at the university um, and how we, how, we, how we take things forward. And it also develops a language, something that we can talk about tangibly rather than, as you were saying earlier, tick a box and right, yeah. I've done this, that's let's move on to team building and let's move on yeah. to, whatever else but yeah it's interesting actually because what i'm getting the sense of is it's uh, i love the, the the fact that you mentioned there about the con connections with themselves as well because one of the areas that i've looked at in the past and, and look at or come back to fairly regularly is it, our user manuals for the individual so when with the people okay. that you work with how best to yeah. communicate how best to engage what works for you so whether you, you're the type of person that needs to have the email that says hi danny how are you did you have a good weekend or the type of person that is quite comfortable receiving the one word yes no type emails and all of that yeah. and the communication style funny enough um works really well and it helps me with the teams that i lead and manage but also helps me with interacting with my colleagues it makes me more self-aware as to how mm. i communicate um yeah. and actually the best way to communicate with my colleagues that maybe don't communicate in the same way or the same fashion mm. as i do and it's been a real real powerful thing but it's actually been really difficult to actually have that self-awareness of how you are and how I communicate because I think yeah. I'm quite open but actually sometimes I can be one word answer emails and that can be taken in the wrong context so it's important that you are self-aware yeah. enough to recognize what what people say and, and how to engage with people so I love the fact that it's it's not just me I guess and it's 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 that connection but yeah it's an interesting journey to take people on um uh, and like you say you have a common theme a common language and there's a big movement in, uh, towards communities at the moment as you know um, mm. and what i'd like mm. to kind of understand is 
from, from day one, because obviously you work in the university and there's people that have been there yeah. for a few years. Um, and with these, uh, these aren't necessarily new concepts, I guess. So how to get people that have been there, part of that, what they see as a community for a while, bring new people into that community and kind of all pull together in the same direction. Um, yeah, I think that's my question. How would you get everyone that's been there for a while or new to kind of engage with the process that you're trying to do? Um, it's really interesting. I think um, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a, a particular example in a minute, but I, I think the, the um, I think the answer is not to try and please everybody and get everybody on the bus. I think we we take a strengths um, finding approach to our work. So appreciative inquiry. We uh, one of our other axioms is around we we build what's around what's strong, not what's wrong. So what that means is we we focus on um, those people that um, show interest, get it, are interested. Um, we include everybody. We're very in, a very inclusive organisation. We would never exclude or deliberately segregate, separate people. But um, at the end of the day, you have to create a hubbub, an energy, and a passion around that. So we look for those people, and we uh, maximise their energy, and then hopefully, you know, that 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 sort of gets gets sort of momentum, and then of course you can then do a lot more work with that. So it's around, I think, going for what's strong, not what's wrong. Don't try and get everybody on the bus because not everyone is wants to get on the bus and maybe they should be off the bus anyway. And we can help them with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a HR. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think it's around that type of thing, really, and playing to people's strengths, yeah. pointing out the benefits, all of those things. But it's definitely not a tick sheet um, approach and it's definitely not a we need to get 100% sign up because that never will happen. The other thing that we, we've noticed as well is we don't go, we don't introduce things top down. Traditionally, you try and get buy in, don't you, from the C-suite um, or in our case, our vice chancellor's executive team. And whilst that's an important thing to do and you, re you, you, um, you know, you recognize and respect that, that team, of course, they're not always the best people to start with because actually they may not get it. It might not be a priority, even though they, they think and say it, it might be. So I always play and I always start with, um, you know, the, the, the supporters of the show, people who get it, people who want to do that, and then gradually sort of build out towards, um, mm. you know, other communities um, and see where it takes you. And I don't think planning helps in that way. I think you have that approach and then you you notice and engage people that are engaging with with your, your journey and your story, and then you start maximizing their energy and then it builds and builds and builds. Yeah, I, I love that. It's about, for me, so with with my community, it's about that emotional connection to the community, and yeah. that spirit of you're in it together. And I think you're spot on. You you won't be able to please everybody, as you know. Um, and actually, what you want to do is try to to, to build the community of like-minded people. I also will will, will reference the the, ref, the the point you made about priorities because this is one of my personal soapbox moments and bugbears is organisations that have priorities because ultimately priorities change. It yeah. depends on the, the way the wind's blowing and actually it's that it's the terminology or the language that's used around priorities as opposed to core values or, or what's an intrinsic yeah. fabric of our organization yeah. um, and actually what we do here uh, and, or what we do as a community that, that makes a difference as opposed to words on a wall um, or, yeah. or, or tags that we like to throw around that just yeah. don't mean anything. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I used to work for an organisation. There's lots of them where they had all the values and all sorts of things, spandex to the wall um, in different fancy colours and all sorts of things. And, you know, it's not about testing people if they can remember those. It's it's catching people doing the right things because you've you've organised as an organisation that these five five things work well for you. These five behaviours, these five practices, mm -hmm. whatever they are, it's capturing people and helping people to um yeah to be those to maximize those on the shop floor not yeah. test them rigorously if they can remember them by rote no no but no i, I agree completely on that one uh, it's interesting so your career robert how did yeah. you end up working for the university in in organization development because i know that you're head of organization development for the university yeah. but you didn't start out there so what's your career path look like how did you end up where you are now? How did I know? So, um, without going way, way back, because that would take all all day, um, I I started out, my first serious job, I think, was in, in financial services, and it was a really small organisation based in Oxford. And um, the organisation was going through lots of change, um, part of which was acquiring two other businesses, which I... Um, I did a lot of work for a lot of the, uh, the the scoping and all that type of thing for um and i got to the point where i thought do you know what going back to your point danny about needing to be as part of a bigger world i wanted and needed to to work internationally and at the time there were very few international roles um, available until one day i found this this role in um, amsterdam so I worked for an organization called Forrester Research and I headed up their international um, HR function um, across, well, it was across Europe, actually. Um, and I stayed um, in the Netherlands for about seven years and then realized I was becoming Dutch and um, I'd been there probably too long <laughs> and needed to go somewhere else, probably home. So I came back to Manchester um, and I've worked for um, Selfridges um, uh, in, a, in an HR uh, manager role. And also my last one before joining the, the university was for um, Gazprom Energy. So I was head of global HR for the energy business based here in Manchester. And we had um, a presence in France, Germany and the Netherlands. So that was really exciting. And I introduced a lot of um, behavioural focused work. And I think that's probably where my interest grew and flourished because it was a highly commercial organisation. Yeah. And the challenge was how do you bring the behaviour, the human side of that to that role, to that organisation, to that culture, a culture which is very, very um commercial and i absolutely love the challenge um and introduced a lot of things which um have now are still there matured um and i've then fed that through um salford um uh, after a short period of doing some consultancy i took an interim job at salford so i was only supposed to be there for about 10 minutes <laughs> and, um things changed and you know how things happen and then um i this role um presented itself I loved what I was doing. Um, I hadn't got kicked out of the organisation, so um, I, I was still there. Um, so, yeah, I ended up um, staying and taking on the job that I've now got. Awesome. 
it's interesting though isn't it because you, you you said there you love the commercial side of working in the energy company Gazprom um, and now you're now in a an academic environment which a lot of yeah. people wouldn't necessarily associate with the commercial mindset how have you found yeah. that or is it just a new skill new difference new culture new experience it's new skill new different yeah new new experience um it's quite a challenge, um, actually. <laughs> I think the academic world, um, like any sector, like any different thing, you know, has its own own differences. Um, mm. I think it's it's the challenge lies in the fact that often um, in our academic teams, um, they may not have experienced the things that you would normally expect in a, in a commercial organisation. For example different ways of learning, different ways of communicating, different ways, you know, they'll have a standard traditional approach. And I think what you might take for granted in a, in a commercial business, you can't do that in a nature, in a higher education establishment. And so you have to work around a lot of things. You have to, um, yeah, adjust, you know, many of the things that you would normally just do. And, you know, that can take time um so yeah i think it's no different from any other organization but you do have those extra um challenges to go through academics will like to um test out the rigor of your work so you know be prepared for 500 questions every time you do something um you know that type of thing which is fine um but equally it's not fine because that can also slow things down and derail so i think it's managing that expectation that balance yeah um so that you get things through and and you know sort of work 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 well with that yeah yeah what's your what would be your best tip for someone that's going through a similar position where they're trying to push through a new initiatives which may meet with resistance from the uh, current way of working in, in a change management program so we do get some people on this podcast that listen that, that are going through a similar situation so what would be your your tip or your top tip i think you know it'd be I, I guess for me it's it's really listening to to your organization really finding out what is it that that people want and meet their needs not yours, meet their needs with the work you're trying to do. So that could be, you know, sort of finding out what particular um, obstacles they have, um, trying to remove some of those things, um, answering questions that have never been answered before, that type of thing. And that way you, you sort of wrap around their world and you get closer to what you need to do to, to, to get your, your change through. I think, that for me has worked really well. You get a stronger level of human connection and you get you connect with the real people, with the real person rather mm. than the job title. And I think one of the things that can slow any change project down is lack of accountability and responsibility. Um, and I think people rely on authority. So, mm. you know, the hierarchical leaders because they've got director or head of or whatever in their title will get it done well actually they won't necessarily it's to do with um you know it's to do with being accountable and responsible for the work that you have been given to do and that is very much everybody's remit it's not it doesn't sit just with a, a leader 
um, and it certainly doesn't sit with the accountants, the accountability thing, you know, the, the sorry, the um, authority thing, it sits with everybody and it's about accountability and responsibility. I suppose it comes down to that definition of the leader as well, though, isn't it? Because I guess most people see the definition of a leader as people that or someone that people would follow. Um, yeah. And a leader is not necessarily a title. No. Which I think is, is uh, something that I guess we've experienced over time, as you say, that hierarchical um, positional power that people naturally assume that that creates the leader in them. But I guess it, it, it doesn't at times. So here's no. a question on, on that basis, Robert. I think you'd be a really well placed to ask this. And I know it's a question that people ask, and I don't mean to, to put you on the spot. Can you educate or teach someone to be a leader, do you think? I don't know. That's a long, that's a long-standing debate, isn't it? I think it's a, I think what I would how I would answer that is it's a job. It's not something that you just Look, a lot of leaders are leaders because they've been in an organization a long time. They do well at sales, they get promoted to sales manager. That does not mean that they are good at managing sales people because it's a completely different job. Mm. Yeah. And you get on to sales director. That does not mean that you can do that. So I think the question the, the yeah, the question is 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 how, at what point did we ever develop people into these roles? Mm. Because often people just morph into them or they're they're in them because they've been in an organization a very long time or they're good at the actual skill of selling or teaching or swimming. But actually, when you're in a leadership role, you're not doing that. You're leading people who are caring for the results, whatever, whatever, that type of thing. So actually, um, that's a skill in itself. So. I think yes and no. I think yes, some people will 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 lean towards that. They will have natural attributes towards towards that. However, it comes with a health warning. Don't just rely on that. You do need some interventions to help people move through those different tiers, those different ranks um, of management, and then leadership. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I think it is. It's it's completely different, and that's the whole again the, the debate or the argument or or difference between a manager and a leader as well I guess um, but you're right so many times you find people within organizations rightly or wrongly um, and it's uh, not something for me to speculate on that end up doing a role because they was really good at the the, the job so they then find themselves promoted um, sometimes uh, the whole Peter's principle a couple of levels yeah. above levels of competence potentially yeah. and which is not necessarily their own fault and I think not no. enough organizations do actually train first-line managers or people on managerial and leadership skills and a lot of that yeah. is around I always say it's around empathy and actually listening to listen yeah. or to hear what the person's saying without trying to help handball them off into another department um, yeah. and I know that this happens quite a lot and I speak to lots of people around mental health in particular well yeah. an employee would speak to the line manager and the first reaction is not to listen to what the person's saying or to see how they can support them it's to refer them to hr or to refer them to occupational health and put this barrier up mm. that says it's not I, I can't do anything it's we've got a policy here therefore i'm going to handball you whereas actually if people were maybe trained or educated on 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 just essential softer skills i think is the horrible yeah. title for it but it's the skills that just turn around to say What's up? How can I help? What could, what do we need to do? How can yeah. I support you? And then look to get support from other departments, but ultimately yeah. they manage and own that leadership, that, that role, because they have the relationship with the individual. Um, but yeah. not enough people do that for me, I don't think. No. no, and it is about going where people are, going where the people are, going where their needs are, rather than, as you say, 
whipping out a policy or a procedure that's just the plumbing isn't it but i mean yeah. it is about the connection it's about the conversation and it's about action and what you're going to do as a result of that together absolutely so what are you going to do next you've got the, the uh, festival failure what what does the future look like for you robert um personally who knows <laughs> i think that's so that's, that's everyone's in that in that space at the moment um in terms of work i think we still have a lot to do um particularly in our leadership um space um i think we believe that the university leadership happens at all levels it's not just a you know a case of authority and and and, and a, you know sort of hierarchy so we are doing a lot around developing behavioral ownership um of 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 you know people people who are taking responsibility for their own behaviors at work um for um, a more human-centered approach to how we recruit um develop induct mm. all sorts of things promote people so lots of work to do on the employee life cycle um, but all behavior-led um all human-centered focused yeah uh, and also trying to sort of see what emerges um you know we we also believe in seeing what emerges from the future and who knows um we've alluded through this conversation that plans don't work um, yeah. you need to know where you're going you need to have a clear direction and a clear purpose and we have that but actually the things along the way are things we've developed because of that particular situation chemistry or whatever at that particular yeah. time and we can't predict that but what we have to do is be very um humble and very um yeah very sensitive to what we we can and should do at, at a given moment yeah no, i think you're right one of the things that the people have learned in the current situation is the need to be fluid and actually yeah. planning planning is normally based on hindsight yeah and actually what you've done in the past is that doesn't necessarily mean what you, that's what you do in the future yeah. so yeah i think having that agile mindset and fluidity in, in the organization is, is massively important but I would actually say that that comes back to having the connections and the relationships which brings mm. us back to the beginning of the conversation funnily enough yeah. around those connections and relationships and actually that psychologically safe space that people can can feel comfortable to speak and actually understand and trust in the person that's asking them to do something that is yeah. in their best interests and it's it's coming from a, a place of um of, of respect to the individual as well i guess to a certain degree um just moving the conversation on a little bit, Robert. Uh, I know you are active online. You are passionate about community and leadership, and and, and I often see your posts on on LinkedIn. But what <laughs> I'd like to know is, what's the best resource or resources that have helped you on your journey to where you are? Do you know what? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. I think um, there's lots, of course, out there. But for me, I think it's other people. It's the thought leaders but it's just the the regular people that you come into contact day in day out um i think since lockdown i got to know my own area really really well you know and i, I walk i go on long walks short walks i, go, I do cut throughs all sorts of things and i've met a really bunch of interesting people and i've learned so much about not just the geographical area but things that we talk about are quite different um, it's amazing, absolutely amazing, and I've I've been fascinated with all the, you know, sort of subjects we've talked about, the questions we've asked, the challenges, you know, almost like a group of strangers. Um, so that's at one level. I think from another sort of thought leader um, aspect, there are some amazing people out there, but there are some people that just really sort of repeat what they're, you know, what other people are saying, um, and I think it's I think if I had a 
you came around my house and it's all the leadership books I've got and all the stuff I could out, out, retire probably the amount of sort of books and, and things I've got um, but I think for me the ones that really resonate are Brene Brown of course um, I know you and I've talked about her a lot yeah. in the past um, I think she's the one of the ones that one of the thought leaders that have really brought to life the importance and power of vulnerability courage and shame and yeah. the importance to be really seen to be you know to show up and, and really lean into things um, yeah. she's very practical um she's got a great podcast out at the moment called unlocking us which i listen to a lot um so that's probably my my go-to person um and then there's a, there's there's loads of other um people that that people will be familiar with so jenny garvey berger is a great um, advocate of adult learning she's a lot of work in the leadership um learning space um a lot of her work is is based on um things from from robert keegan and lisa Leahy, of course um she's another great person um i think i would uh, recommend um and then yeah just um I suppose other other um, speakers, other um, contributors that you see on LinkedIn and TED Talks. Um, a few of the other ones I, I or platforms I go to are 99U, Cultivate Your Flag, um, being the ones that I think are really really rich in 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 people's you know the collection of people that they have on there. Yeah, fantastic. So who are the you, you mentioned Brittany Brown? Who who are the people that inspire you uh, or if you just sum them up is there anybody else that maybe that's not in your sector or your industry that you kind of look up to and think respect what they've done in their sector or their industry or potentially country or anything like that um probably um the ones that most people will think of i suppose from the, from a pandemic point of view um, one of the world leaders that I particularly admired right from the beginning is Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister for New Zealand. Yeah. But then I think we got into this sort of um, everybody was commenting on her, and I, I remember in a we, I was in a comment in a meeting one day, and somebody said, "Oh, we need more Jacindas. We need more Jacindas in the world and in our organisations." Um, and I just thought, well, no, there are Jacindas in all organisations. Yeah. We just need to find them and we just need to nurture people and we need to create the right conditions to allow them to flourish. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, there are lots of people that are, are great out there and doing some fantastic work. But I think it's those people that are quiet leaders, yeah. people that are getting on with things, people that are uh, very authentic in their style, um, that are very natural, that do things in a way that they would do normally. And I think it's those people that are the strong leaders, actually, the ones that are, um, you know, possibly introverts, as Susan Cain would talk about. Um, so it's it's those 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 people that have those qualities. I think for me are the ones that are really great leaders and, and ones that can take countries and organisations forward. Oh, amazing! Yeah, no, it's a really really good point, and I, I think you're right. It's those that maybe don't chase the limelight potentially as well. Yeah, they just focus so. on the silent efficiency, maybe. Yeah. And that the outputs, yeah. that's 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 a really good point. Um so what's what's a common myth about your profession that you want to debunk? Um hmm. I'll choose organizational development as part of the wider um HR um field. I think yeah. that it's all about training and development and courses and programs. Yeah. And it absolutely isn't at all we don't we ha we only have one program 
that we have developed because and it's for um, new to role new to business managers uh, we call it Salford managers um, and it's I was looking at the figures today we've put 131 I think people through since we started a couple of years ago um, but that is the only thing we have so I think that's the main thing that OD organizational development is is not about courses and you know tracking LMSs and all that type of thing I don't think it is that at all I think it's more around it's a it's a people change culture change um, contribution that we make um, and developing leaders at all levels is a big part of that um, yeah. yeah that's a really good point why do you think it has got that stereotype then why do you think people think it, it, they do I, mix up organization development with learning development yeah i think it's to do with history really and how the how the profession and industry has, has evolved and i think a lot of people just move the deck chairs around and they are training departments actually and they've just oh well next door have called it od we'll call ours od so but the actual product and what they do has never changed and yeah. i think that's really damaging because i do believe the work we're doing is is very different um not just in our sector but you know out there generally in, in organizations um and I do believe we are helping to contribute to the culture change of our organization through multiple ways, through multiple things. Um, but it's definitely not the the course program, you know, sort of training approach. Um, as I say earlier in the, in the in the conversation, we're very interested in changing people's mindsets and behaviors and habits. How do we actually shift those so yeah. that um, there becomes a shift in an organization rather than a temporary dip or or jolt yeah do you think maybe this interest is your background in psychology perhaps why why you have this possibly 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 yes i think it might be and i've done lots of things throughout my career but i seem to be coming back to the human connection what is it about us as human beings that connect and how do tribes form how do how do people feel included excluded because until we solve those until we start talking more openly about those issues we're never going to progress as a race as a as a you know as as people mm. um and as an organization as organizations because we're missing the 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 glue that that is required to make us all work properly yeah and think properly and be and eat and all that sort of thing so, uh, what what advice would you give someone that's going to pursue a career similar to yours? Um, I think I'd rip up the job description. Don't bother looking at you know sort of um, um, you know sort of standard things because I think if I was to be true to my job description, I'd have been fired years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's it's to do with, but I think it's also creating your own vision. What is you know, I've created this vision of OD for the University of Salford. Um, I engaged our team, we changed direction, I've engaged our stakeholders. We're, we're, you know, we're working through that, of course. But I think it's being very, very clear on your vision and why you're doing what you're doing, why you're making those shifts. And forget the job titles, forget what it's called. It doesn't really matter because actually you play into that rather than making the work the thing yeah. and the work, you know, your own so i would say that really i love that and, and actually I, it's it's something that i i bang on about constantly job descriptions are so antiquated uh, when was the last oh, time you ever, 
looked at your job description and said, no, that's, what, that's my job. I don't, I don't remember, even know actually. That no, that's and, and actually, happened. it'd be an interesting, converse, interesting point, actually. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you actually looked at your job description, I'd like to just have a sense of how much of that job description actually relates to the role that you actually do for your company. Because I'd probably mm. guess it would be about 50% at best. Because mm. there's so many of these big, long-winded phrases that people put on the job descriptions to make it sound a, a fancy job. But actually, there's so much that you do that will not be on that job description. No, sure. no, and you know it's like a bit like a car, isn't it? It dates as soon as you, it depreciates as soon as you drive it off the forecourt. It's like a job description. You know, you write something today. Well, tomorrow you might be doing things that are on there. What you're not supposed to do them? Yeah. How crazy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I've loved this conversation, Robert. Um, where can yeah. our listeners list connect with you online? So um, mainly, um, I, I I use LinkedIn. <laughs> So mainly LinkedIn. So um, yeah, just I, I I use LinkedIn loads. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll tag you into the post when we post about the podcast in a second, uh, or once it comes out. So I'll tag you into people on that listen to me and follow the show. We'll be able to find you online. Um, yeah. My last question, Robert. So thank you for your time. Um, yeah. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I, I didn't? Gosh, great question. Um... I think probably um, what has kept you going? Oh, good question. So what yeah. has kept you going? <laughs> yeah. You're going to ask that. <laughs> um, I think a couple of things, probably passion for what I do um, around um, people development, but, but, but from a place of human connection. So the passion for that and the focus of that. Um, and I think I think um, tenacity and just keeping going and believing in what I do. Um, and it's OK if people, not everyone gets it. It's OK. But there are lots of people that get it. And I think it's that that keeps me going and, you know, builds up that sort of momentum, really. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's a great response as well. And I, I agree. Again, uh, we, we sound like we agree with a lot of things. But it's, for me, it's about the positive energy that you get from the people that you surround yourself with. You can have positive yeah. people that you just kind of feed off of, as, as crass as that sounds, or you have a negative environment which just sucks the energy out of you. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, I think the community. So you mentioned community. I mentioned community again. The people that you have around you are just inspiring yeah. and positive energy. Listen, thank you so much. Thank um, you on the show really really great to talk to you and catch up and um, we'll speak again soon yeah catch you soon so make sure to check out our community where we help people to network learn new skills and develop them and their business thanks for listening to the simply people podcast before we go show some love for what we're doing by leaving us a review on your podcast platform or sharing the episode with a friend tune in for our next episode where we'll be speaking with another amazing guest thanks for listening You've been listening to the Simply People Podcast.